God, your word says it is for freedom that we have been, we have been set free, free to worship you, free to live for you. God, help us to be in tune with, you, with what you want for our lives, Lord, how we can live for you, how we can share you with others, how we can be bold in our faith, God. Speak to our hearts through your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, The whole Bible has many stories in it, and those stories are of faithfulness and unfaithfulness. Those stories are belief and unbelief. Those stories of righteousness and sin. Those stories of judgment, condemnation, and salvation. And all of the stories that we have in the Bible, the conditional covenants, the unconditional covenants, all the stories in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are orchestrated by God the Father to reveal that he is faithful, to reveal that he keeps his word, to reveal that he's the orchestrator of the great, wonderful plan of salvation for all that believe in him. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father now. Jesus came and did the work of that salvation he came and he died on the cross. He shed his blood. He suffered tremendously to demonstrate his love. I mean, there, there's not a greater picture of love in this world. It's not Romeo and Juliet. It's not any movie stars, love story. The greatest love story there's ever been is the love story of God loving people so much that he sent his only son into the world to be the sacrifice for people. And then, of course, at the right hand of the Father is the place where Jesus sits today. It's the place of all authority. It's the place of power. We hear a lot about power in the news these days. The transition of power, we hear about that. That, that one political party, the Republicans, have now has the power in the Congress among the house, and, and we hear a lot about that. The greatest power of all is the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in the place of all power. We know that Jesus is there interceding for us. We know Jesus is there in a management position orchestrating the work of the plan of salvation for all that would believe. And we know we also have the Holy Spirit that, that Jesus said that when he would leave, that things would be much better for us here. And the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit reveals to us truth about the spiritual world. The Holy Spirit comes and communicates the word to us and makes it so that we can understand it. The Holy Spirit helps us know how to pray. The Holy Spirit come, came to this world to fulfill all things and, and to be the, the movement of the, of the Lord to bring about this, this great awareness of salvation. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. We all need that to become a believer. Convicts us of sin, convicts us of righteousness, which is a wonderful thing. The conviction of righteousness is that we come to the place where we understand that we cannot be righteous in our own 
on our own efforts and that the righteousness of God, we need that desperately to understand that only his righteousness makes us right with God. And so that's a valuable work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and provides for us the truth of the limited opportunities we have, the judgment to come, the judgment to come. And so God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work together, orchestrating, making it happen, implementing this wonderful, wonderful story of salvation. And then we have a role. God has given us a role in this wonderful plan of salvation that began from the founding of the world and, and has gone through all those stages and all those precursors to the coming of Christ, the fact that he gave his life and God showed us how much he loved us through his son Jesus. He's given us a part. We are believers so that we can carry out that wonderful, wonderful plan. We have a part. God's doing his part. The Son's doing his part. The Holy Spirit's doing his part. Our part in this wonderful plan of salvation is sharing the good news with people. That's what he wants us to do. The Lord has instructed us to go into all the world and make disciples. Making disciples is sharing the gospel with people and then teaching them what it means to live for Jesus. And, and he gives us a wonderful promise with that. He says that as we make disciples, as we share the gospel and teach people how to follow Christ, that he's always with us to the very end of the age. And so if he's always with us to the, to the very end of the age, and he addresses that in relationship to making disciples, obviously we can tell how important that is to God the Father, how important it is. So we need to share the good news. We need to share the good news with people because we're commanded to. We need to share the good news with people every opportunity we can because there are limited opportunities. I mean, you can just sit down and you can do some inventory about what limits the opportunities to hear the gospel. Life itself does. Life is short. The scripture tells us that life is but a vapor. Our experience tells us that life is but a vapor. And, and some of the people that are in your life now, the fact is, they may not be in your life next year. Haven't you seen that happen? You think that nothing's going to change, all is going to go well this new year, and you have hopes, and, and, and yet a, a loved one, a friend, passes away. There are limited opportunities. We all need to understand that that we need to be faithful in sharing the gospel because none of us have any guarantees that there will be another opportunity. So there's an urgency about it. Life is a vapor. We need to share the gospel because of the horribleness of judgment. I mean, however your understanding is of hell, however your understanding is of the separation of man from God in, in eternity, it's enough to motivate us to share the good news. It should be enough to motivate us to share the good news. Some good things that we understand about sharing the gospel with people, we understand because of Romans 1.16 that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is the power of God for salvation. If you want to see the power, share the gospel. 
That's what you need to do. It's a promise for us there. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. You believe in Jesus, you will experience the power of salvation. So we should share the gospel because it's the power of God. There's no question about that. And, and sharing the gospel with people is the greatest gift we can give anyone. It is the key to eternal life. It's the key to love. Through, through Jesus Christ, we learn what real love is, what true love is, the highest degree of love is, that agape love. Through the, the gift of the gospel, we can experience total forgiveness, not partial forgiveness, not forgiveness for some things, but forgiveness of all things. We can have a right standing with God. One of the wonderful scriptures that we have in the scripture is found in Romans 10, verse 11 and 12. And that scripture so powerfully says, everyone that believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. Wow. I don't know about you, but man, shame's a horrible thing when I experience shame. I've had a lot of shame in my life. There are things that I have shame over. I have shame over that. I, I, I have to remind myself of the gift of forgiveness. Shame's a horrible, powerful thing. And if you're carrying around unnecessary shame, it's a burden bearer. It's a burden maker. It, it puts a weight on us that's very difficult to shake. And he says also in verse 12 that there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all who bestows his riches on all who will call on him. And so when we share the good news with people, we're helping them experience that. We're, we're giving them the opportunity to unlock the door for all these wonderful things that God has to give. And, and perhaps the greatest thing or perhaps one of the greatest things that we give people, we are part, we are the fourth part in that wonderful plan of God's salvation for the world is the fact that we help people to discover, to experience right standing with God to be justified. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. So we know we need to share the gospel. How do you get started? Well, First of all, here we come with Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Not a better time, believe it or not, in the midst of all the activities to begin with your family and your friends. If you're, if you're not presently a gospel sharer, if you're not presently someone that has been able to share the gospel or you've not uh, participated yet, but you're going to, the Holy Spirit's at work in you, begin with your family and friends. There's no better place to begin than with your family and friends. And the right place to begin is with your family and friends because you've invested the time and the effort and the friendship to earn the right to share with them the most important thing there is and the most important thing there is to you. And, I, and understand this element of this, that if, if it has been crystal clear to your friends and your family that, that Jesus is the most important thing to you, that your experience of salvation 
is, is what drives you, what moves you. And, and they know that you're a Christian. They know that you're a church person. They, they know that you love the Lord. And, and that's been evident and obvious to them. And you haven't shared the good news with them. Do you understand that your family and friends who do not share that same passion about Jesus, they, they, they are not a believer, that they're wondering why it is that here you are, their family member and their close friend, and you have not shared with them the most important thing there is in the world to you. They're wondering about that. Why have they not shared with me? Why have they not talked with me about what matters to them so much? We're family. We're friends. And, and so take, take time to sit down with your loved ones and begin the conversation. And it's a very simple beginning of that conversation, and all of us can do it. And, and, and basically, you can just say something like this. You know, Junior, we're family. You know, Junior, we're friends. We've known each other a long time. Man, I, I love you. I care about you. And, and man, you matter to me. And, and you know that, that our Lord Jesus means so much to me. And, and can, I do, can I get your permission to share with you the most important thing there is in my life? Now, if they don't give permission, then you say, okay, but if you ever want to talk about him, I, I sure want to talk to you about it. But if you get permission, share the good news with them. Share the good news with them. We are friends. We are family. You can ask your friend and family, said, man, it, it, do, do you have any understanding of your eternity? Are, hey, Junior, let me ask you something. Are, are, you, a, are you a man of faith? Cynthia, let me ask you something. Do, do you have faith or are you trying to discover what faith is? Right? There's all kinds of things that you can do. And, and find something that's true. Find something that's authentic from you, that's real from your heart, and, and, and begin that witnessing conversation. What do you share with them? What is the plan of salvation? Well, let's talk about that. The very best place to begin is in John 3.16 because salvation begins with God's love. And so it's the best place to begin. And, and you can mark up your New Testament. You can mark up your scripture. Uh, you can write notes yourself. You do it by phone. I don't have any idea technically how do you do that because I'm old school with the Bible and everything. But here's what you can do with a marked New Testament. Maybe you can put it in your notes or something or something like that. But, but begin in John 3, 16. We can all remember that. And read to them John 3, 16. Share with them John 3, 16. Now, each one of these verses that I'm going to share with you, it'd be great for you to memorize them. You definitely need to get real familiar with them that you understand what it says so that from your own experiences, you can share with them. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Begin there. Begin with the love of God. Begin with what God has provided for us in salvation. And, and begin from that understanding of love. People need to know that God loves them. It is the power of God for salvation. For people to hear that the Scripture teaches us that God loves them. And that understand that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That's where we begin. At the bottom of the margin on John 3, 16, your New Testament, 
right down there, Romans 3.23. And you turn to Romans 3.23 next, and you read and you share with them this, this truth that's really important to understanding in the way of understanding the gospel. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. People need to hear that. People don't know that. People need to hear it. And people don't know that. Don't take it for granted that your family and friends understand that we have all sinned, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, the glory of God are those things that God wants for us, those things that God desires for us. Because of sin, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is universal. Sin is everyone's problem because you see the world doesn't really understand does not comprehend that sin is everyone's problem sin separated billy graham from the lord before he believed d.l moody the great preacher of the 1800s was separated from god by sin until he believed mother Teresa, the great missionary there in india did such great work kind heart born again believer no question about that she, she was in her sin. She was dead in her sin before she believed in Jesus and was born again. So sin is a universal problem, and, and we all need to understand that. So we have a problem, and that problem is sin. And sin is what separates you from God. Sin is what separated me from God before I believed in Christ. And, and the only way... To have that sin problem solved is through Jesus Christ. On the bottom of Romans 3.23, write down Romans 6.23 and share this with him. For the wages of sin is death. So I want you to understand, Junior, that the Bible tells us, this is not my idea, this is not my pastor's idea, this is not anybody we know's idea. This is what the Bible tells us. What we earn in life by doing sin, by being a sinner, is spiritual death. Death. That's the result. That's what we earn. We are spiritually dead because of our unforgiven sin. We are not spiritually alive. That's what we share with them. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. However, we're now switching from the bad news and the reality of the bad news that the wage of sin is death, spiritual death. But look what the second part of Romans 6.23 says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh man, I've got some good news to share with you now. We began with God's love, but then we looked at Romans 3.23 and the first part of Romans 6.23 and, and we don't see any hope there, right? We see bad news only, However, the bad news, as real as it is, there's a but in the universe. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And so I want you to understand that although the wages of your sin is spiritual death, the gift of salvation is free. You don't earn that. Matter of fact, you can't earn that. So you are spiritually dead, and to become spiritually alive, you have to receive a gift. That's the wonderful plan of salvation. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Open the present. 
I hope of the present. That's what Romans 6.23 says to me. You got to open the gift. You got to apply the gift. You got to believe in Christ. That's how you open the gift. And then in the bottom of Romans 6.23, write down Romans 5.8. Now listen to this, Junior. Check this out, Junior, however you want to communicate it to old Junior. And, and hopefully Junior's listening at this point. Listen to what Romans 5.8 says. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God showed us how much he loved us by when we were sinners. And you can explain that a little bit. Think about the worst people who've ever lived. Think about the worst people who've ever lived. They think about all the people who will never believe. Christ died for all of them. He died for everyone. That's an amazing gift of love. He died for people who won't honor him. He died for him who will never speak well of him. He died for people who will reject him over and over. He died for people who will spit on him, who will beat him. He died for him. It's great love. It's unbelievable love. And that's what, how much God loves us. God shows us how much he loves us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I want you to understand how much he loves you. And then in the bottom of Romans 5, 8, on that margin there, right, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And, and Junior, this is, this is what needs to happen here today. This is what you need to do. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says to you who are dead in sin, who have sinned, who have no hope of salvation. It says that if you'll confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says we are to do. The Bible says we confess and we believe. Now, the word confess means, and, and you need to really hear this, okay, because it's a, a good helper for you if they're not quite sure what it means to confess, okay? Confess means that you agree with, you accept the word of. That's really what it means. And so when you confess that Jesus is Lord, you're, you're literally saying, God the Father, I agree with you about who you say Jesus is. Because none of us can come to the place where we understand who Jesus is without the work of the Father and the Spirit and the Son. And so our confession is not from ourselves. That's what that word means. And so you confess with your mouth. So, Junior, are you hearing a still, small voice are you hearing an awareness in you? Is there some kind of understanding saying it is true, it is real, it is the way it is? Jesus is the Lord. He is my son. He is the Savior. Are you hearing that? Or maybe you can explain it this way. Are you discovering in here now because of what you've heard with these good news that that there is a want to believe 
that's beginning to happen? A want to? Maybe you never had that kind of want to before. Maybe it's even the curiosity of the possibility of believing that's beginning to grow. So you've gone from not ever thinking about it to thinking about it some, and now all of a sudden, because of the Holy Spirit's work in you, there's a strong curiosity that's beginning to build, or there's a strong awareness that it's true. Man, if you're having that, Junior, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That did not come from you. That's the work of the Lord in you, man. That's him showing you he's real, that want to, because the Bible tells us that without the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't have that want to. We don't have that craving. We don't have that desire. So the Lord's at work here. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Look at verse 10, Junior. For with the heart one believes and is justified. Oh, that word justified is a wonderful word. That word means that we are right with God and as if we've never been wrong with God. That's what God does for us. He makes us right with him and as if we've never been wrong with him. That's where we understand the scripture tells us that he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. We are right with God and it's as if we've never been wrong with God. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. In his eyes, you never made a mistake. In his eyes, you've never sinned. In his eyes, you've never done anything that is reason to cause shame. That's what he does for us. If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. Man, I genuinely want you to be justified. I just want you to experience that. Because with the mouth, we confess and we're saved. Now, Junior, it says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you ready to call on the name of the Lord? Are you ready to call on the name of the Lord? Ask them. Are you ready to believe in Jesus? Are you ready to confess that Jesus is Lord? Are you ready to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Ask him. You don't pressure him. There's no pressure. You don't argue with them at this point. It's not a, it's not a, a, a debate with anyone. It's just a sharing. It's just a simply stating what the scripture says about this wonderful plan of salvation and then ask people, are you ready to believe? Are you ready to believe? Because the Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can get it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can get it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can get it, can have it can taste it, can experience it. That's what the Bible tells us. Are you ready? And then I like to share with them at this point, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, that means that you need to really pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. 
It's the work of Jesus, not our work. Are you ready to confess? Are you ready to believe? And then if they say, I am, then simply say, all right, man, just open up your heart and receive the Lord. Talk to him. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I need you in my life. I confess that Jesus is the Lord. Lord, I believe in my heart, best I can, that Jesus was raised from the grave. And then share with them they've been born again. You're a child of God. You're one of Jesus' children now. You are a believer. You have believed. The Holy Spirit has worked in your life, and you have believed. And then, of course, you can take those next steps with them. You know, today, if you've heard the Holy Spirit, don't harden your heart. If today you've heard the Holy Spirit speak to you, speak to you about salvation, don't harden your heart. Has the Holy Spirit communicated with you today and said to you, you need to believe it is true and you're ready to receive Christ? Let us know. Wave at me. Nod at me. Do something and we'll pray for you. We'll help you. Anyone in this group, you have heard it. Anyone in this group, anyone at all in this group, don't harden your heart. If you have heard the Holy Spirit, don't harden your heart. Anyone, anyone, this one. All right. If you need to talk with somebody privately about it, we will be willing to share with you, to talk with you, to help you understand this wonderful gift of salvation. If you didn't get the verses, text me, email me, and I'll send them to you. Memorize these verses. Get where you understand these verses. Just, just let the Holy Spirit pour into you and share the wonderful news of Jesus with people. Share the wonderful news of people.